everybody to the Monster Baby Podcast. This is a curious romp through the worlds of mindfulness and improvisation. My, My name, name is, is Lisa Rowland. No, really. My, My name, name is, is Lisa. Name is My name is Lisa Rowland. Uh, we are your co-hosts. And, and this episode is about timing, which that's you might right. have already figured out. Episode that I don't. Episode number eighty-five. Ted just figured. Eighty-five. Out. It is eighty-five. Uh, and we're talking about timing. That's, I yeah. It's hey. I think you're gonna enjoy this conversation. It sort of goes all over the place. What is the difference between timing and inspiration and knowing and what is it in improv? What is it in life? How does it matter? What about the timing of everything going on right now? It's sort of cool. We got relationships. We got astrology. There's, yeah, there's, there's all sorts of drama for you. So really hope you enjoy. Before we get into the episode, I want to let you know about a couple things you want to make sure you know of. One is that I, Ted Danizone, will be leading a class online called The Right to Speak, Finding and Freeing Your Natural Voice. It's about building uh, your voice on top of your breath. That's a lot about finding the right time to speak. When is the right time to speak up? So that's when I wanted to mention it, it starts October 6th, goes through mid-November. We'll take a break on uh, Election Day. But um, go to playfulmindfulness.info to get more information on that. And uh, we'd love to have you join us. So that's one thing I wanted cool. to mention. Number two, uh, come back, come come to BATS Fridays and Saturdays starting in October. We're starting back up with fun, super fun, big variety of shows in October and November. And uh, yours truly is directing a puppet long form puppet narrative on November 7th. So mark your your calendars. Improv.org to find those shows. That's right. And uh, hey, just because we've got you here, and just before we get in, if you love what you hear on this episode and you want to share it with other people, let them know they can get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora. All the places. All the places, boom. All the places. And if you can leave a review on all those places or any of those places, it's really helps to spread the word. Yeah. Yeah. So please do. And thank you. And away we go. No further ado. There are no further ados to have. That was more ado. That was more ado. You just added. Much ado about nothing. Let's get into it. game that I learned that was really great. Try this. It's not, it's not really playing, two-person playing game. So Try I, this. Yeah. Try this. This is something that Casey Clem taught me. I'm going to try. I don't know if it'll work verbal, but we're going to try it. So okay. in your mind, you think of a question, mm-hmm. a why question. Yeah. And I'm going to think of a because answer. Right. And we're both going to commit to our questions and answers, and then we're going to put them together and see what happens. Sure. It's okay. like a surrealism game. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. So you think of a why question, and I'm going to think of a because answer. Okay. Um, all right. I got, I got one. Okay. Here's the question. Uh, why does winter come before spring? Because if you open both windows, there'll be a cross breeze. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll think of a question, you think of an answer. 
Why do Americans value private property so much? Because it's been that way since the beginning of time. <laughs> okay, let's do one more. Uh, okay. Why do teenage boys take so many risks? Because if you do it too much, you'll go blind. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, yeah. Okay, we'll do one, one more round. So, yeah, great. Uh, um, so you're asking the question, I'm giving the reason, okay. Yeah, yeah. Why are humans so resistant to change? Well, because you need at least 35. If you have fewer than that, you won't get over the hill. <laughs> great. <laughs> great. Well, there's your surrealist. That's a fun game, yeah. Surrealist game. Does it have a name? Dolly? Hello, Dolly? Like Dolly, like Salvador Dolly? Salvador Dolly, yeah. Hello, Hello Dolly. Dolly. Uh, I don't know. We can name it whatever we want. All the right, question, I, like I, I would probably name it something original like the questions game. Mm, I like hello, Dolly. All right. Uh, I mean. Then, that, then so, it, shall, it shall be so. Here's the game that we can't play, but I want to describe it because I imagine that some of you podcast listeners play with Zoom or facilitate on Zoom or whatever, but it's right. called evolutionary rock, paper, scissors. Have you played this? Oh, in person, I think. Yeah. So... Everybody changes their screen name to Egg. Uh-huh. I played this with the Applied Improvisation Network. We had a get-together online, and it was so fun. We had like 40 of us. Everybody changes their name to Egg, and then we were all made co-hosts so that we could go from breakout room to breakout room. Oh, yeah. The host sent us to a breakout room entitled Lobby, sent everybody to Lobby so that because you can only go from breakout room to breakout room. You can't go from main room to breakout room if you're a uh -huh. co-host. So lobby is the, is the new gathering place. Is the new holding space, yeah. So everybody's egg, and then you compete with another egg. Whoever wins becomes chicken. So you change your name on the and, screen to chicken. And you do? Yeah, you do rock, rock paper, paper, scissors, scissors shoot. Okay. Just one time, whoever wins evolves. And then you find another chicken. You go into the breakout rooms to find another chicken. Compete against a chicken, whoever wins that becomes a T-Rex. And then you find another T-Rex, whoever wins that becomes a slow motion cheerleader. <laughs> For everybody else. And they're not trying to evolve. That's that's like the most evolved being in the They are universe. evolved, yeah. Yeah. And then so everybody's like scrambling, trying to find some other... I got stuck being a chicken. I never won. I didn't win one combat... <laughs> So you must have been stuck as an egg then. I mean, I was stuck as an egg. Thank you. Stuck as an yeah. egg. Got it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it was so funny. There were just so many eggs running around looking for other eggs. Yeah. And, and the, the egg puns were just flying, flying in the chat window. Oh, man. As people were explaining the rules, as the hosts were explaining the rules, they're just 40 applied improvisers just making pun after pun. But we didn't know who was making the puns because we were, you were all egg. egg. That's wonderful. I love that. I love that. So it, it was the first time that I've... Were you in a special kind of heaven? It was, it, was, it was interesting because it was like I was enjoying making puns and not having them credited to me because it meant I could just put as many as I wanted into the pot. Yeah. And I could see people being delighted by them, but it wasn't like a Ted stop. Yeah, right. You know? Right. 
That's great. It's perfect. But then other other people were making hilarious ones as well. So oh gosh, it was a fun game. Fun game. Good great. group of people to be connected with. Yeah, yeah, playful. Up mm-hmm. there, up for playing games. Mm-hmm. Making, and making sense of pandemic times, apocalypse yeah. times, as it were. Yeah. Oh. Um, speaking of which, I think worth mentioning that yesterday was one of the odder days in our Bay Area history. I don't think I've ever, I've never seen anything like it. No. I've never experienced anything like it. No. And it was, it was, it was, it was the day, I'm sure all of you have heard about it. The, all of you listeners have heard about it, but it was the day that this, basically the sun never came up. Like the sun never came out over a lot of Northern California. Right. It was like we were Mars. High layer of smoke and the sky was orange literally mm-hmm. orange mm-hmm. and it was dark and it like i i noticed it when i woke up and i was like oh like judging by the light i thought it was just before dawn mm-hmm. and it was 8 a.m mm-hmm. and i was like what what and i yep. sort of looked outside and it was like what is happening out there and then it got darker that was the part that freaked me out i was registering it at like 10 30 that it was kind of it was like maybe half an hour it looked like half an hour after sun the sun went down yeah at 10 30 a.m and then it started getting darker it got so and dark. darker and darker. at like noon at noon it was dark it was like nighttime it was it was it was equivalent to a moonlit night over it was here. just but like barely moonlit yeah. yeah it was equivalent to like a cloud cloud cover night it was like right. It was yeah. so, it was just so bizarre. It was so bizarre. Then the weird thing about it was, which I sort of like came to, came to later. First of all, you expect it because everything is orange, orangey, ready. And you know, that's because of smoke. You expect it to be hot outside. Mm-hmm. And it was quite cool. Mm-hmm. And when I realized that it's cool because the sunlight is not warming are part the of air. the earth right now. That's right. Like, oh my God, this is what hap- This is what happens. We like. This is how an ice age happens. This is how an ice age happens. There's no, there's no sun. We don't. Yeah. Things don't grow. It doesn't. It doesn't get warm. Like it was, the sun, The birds didn't sing. There weren't birds singing. It was just interesting. Like, yeah, I like that you went out into it because yeah. the air. Ironically, the air was actually cleaner than it has been in a while. Yeah. At ground level. It was, so you it was actually totally fine, you know? Yeah, I, I didn't go out. I just felt like hiding. But did you notice any sensations in your body or your mind? Like, I, I felt super agitated and um, disturbed. It just was, I really wanted comfort. And yeah. I reached out to a couple of friends, but like, a lot of people reached out to me and I reached mm. out to be like, are you, how are you doing? This is, are you, how, my God, this day is so weird. Mm-hmm. Just like making connection about how weird the day was. Yeah. Yeah. Just reaching out. It was really interesting. It was like, everything's fine. We're not in any more danger than we were in yesterday. There's not actually something wrong, but our experience of life is so strange today that you just mm-hmm. need to reach out and touch somebody. Right. And the only that way to feel- do that now is a text message. <laughs> well, the feeling of, when it kept getting dark was what I imagined, you know, people before the scientific era, when eclipses happened, like what the hell is going on? Totally. You know, this is just, and just 
panicking. Yeah. <laughs> but today, it's actually way smokier, but it's it just looks like a cloudy day or mm, hazy. It look, but it still has that weird like yellow tint a to it. A little yellow tint, but it's not anywhere near what it was yesterday in terms of the color. The world looks like a bruise. Mm-hmm. But you're right. It, no, it's not. It's not. It's a much more normal smoky day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's hazy. I can't see downtown. Usually, I can see downtown. I can't see downtown. Yep. But it's you know, uh, but it's light. <laughs> it got I'm, light today. So I hope people. I hope other people are safe. I know a couple of my students couldn't come to class. Couldn't come to class because of fires where they are and smoke mm. and having to take care of families and evacuation stuff. So. You know, I just, there's a lot of people, a lot of people out there struggling and hope everybody's safe and, and well and all that. Yeah. Humbling. It's a humbling time. Oh man. In, in, in nine different directions. <laughs> Whatever craziness is going on wherever you are that you're able to manage it yeah. and, uh, and connect with the people you need to connect with and take care of yourself and all that. Yeah. And have it all yeah. going on when we're like, can't really get outside and gather anyway. Sort of doubly odd. Yeah. So. It is interesting given our topic for today. Mm. I mean, I hadn't thought about it this way when we were talking about talking about timing when mm-hmm. we were discussing that. But is, like, this, is this a good time to raise this? You tell me. <laughs> it seems like it. Okay, let's let's do it. Let's now. Yeah. Now's the. I think the time is right. Yeah. It is um, the topic, Lisa. Uh, yeah, just the time, like the timing, the timing of all this, that it's where any, any one of the, any one of these things would be a catastrophe on its own, would be a lot to handle mm-hmm. on its own, would be entirely engaging on its own. covid quarantining, sheltering in place, shutting down, right? The growing numbers of dead, like, that's a lot. The economy crashing, people losing their jobs, people losing their homes, like, that's a lot. The racial reckoning in in the United States and the conversations Mm -hmm. that are being had on a wider scale and the awareness that is being bred, right? Mm -hmm. That is, that is, Mm -hmm. That's a lot. The fires and having to evacuate, escape. How do we do that safely? What are our options? Like that is a lot. Like it's, and the fact that all of them are happening at the same time and all of them make everything else, make all of the other things harder. Right. And also recognizing that this racial reckoning may not have happened had it not happened during a pandemic. Like the timing actually may be a huge part of why this, why the reaction was what it was, is what it Mm -hmm. is and has been Mm -hmm. what it has been. I've been noticing the curious way that these things that are happening, so many of the things that are happening, the ones that you just mentioned, have a component that has to do with breath Mm. like the the expression i can't breathe yeah right it's like the way that COVID has uh, attacks lungs and and respiration and all that sort of thing and then the 
um, George Floyd's murder and, and his saying, I can't breathe, and that being an echo of other police brutality situations. And then the fires and the smoke. And, and then for me, thinking about the corruption at government levels and how breathtaking it is. It's just like, I, I, are you serious? Like, it just, and then also the pace of it all is kind of a breathless pace. It just keeps rolling, yeah. Yeah, and I've been thinking about that in, in mindfulness terms quite a bit. Like, I can't breathe as an expression of so many things right now. And then to say, how do we keep breathing? Because literally to keep breathing a brings us to the present moment and B helps us get the oxygen we need. But then sometimes if it's smoky outside, it doesn't help to take a deep breath. Yeah. Right. So how do you, how do you survive? And what does it mean to find a, a filter for your, for your um, metaphoric breath? Right. And so I, I'm playing around with these and, and, and feeling like, um, like what's your emotional, practice. what's your healthy emotional mask? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you need to screen out so that you can keep going? Like, okay, I, I can't read the news as much as I might like to, or as much as I might normally, because it's just too toxic right now. I need to read some of it because I need to stay, keep abreast of what's going on, but maybe not as much or, or that sort of thing. The other thing about timing, like on that global level, we were just mentioning in an earlier conversation about astrology and using astrological symbolism to make sense of stuff. But like this year was supposed to be a time of reckoning astrologically because there are three planets that are kind of in the same place in the sky. They're getting together and causing all sorts of trouble. It's Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto. And Pluto is this planet that like brings up unconscious forces and forces you to deal with them. And it's like usually pretty painful. And so like all these old structures, ways of doing things, authority things, these are all Capricorn, it's happening in Capricorn, are getting brought to the surface and like all this corruption and all this violence and all these old ways of doing things that have been so baked in, like they're getting kicked up, stirred up and they have to change. So in terms I hope of timing- that, I, just, I hope that's true. Oh my God, I so hope it's true as well. I hope it changes. But, yeah, and that's uh, astrologically speaking, that's all supposed to kind of loosen up in December. Oh, so, come on, December. God, God help us. Please do. Uh, so what are the other two? What are Saturn and Jupiter all about? Pluto's um, old structures and uh, surfacing. Uh, yeah, Saturn, Saturn is kind of like um, discipline, boundaries, restrictions, healthy saying no, but also could be like, Negative Nancy saying no. Mm. Uh, it's, the, it's father time. So like, you know, having the scythe, like, okay, we got to cut this away. What do you say no to so you can say yes to other things? But it's like structures and value systems and institutions, that kind of thing. And then Jupiter's kind of like the opposite energy of Saturn. Jupiter's like big, bold, abundance, make everything have more energy, more possibility, sense of um, inclusion, that sort of thing. Mm. So it's kind of like you put all these three things in a big pot and stir them up and well, we've got the unconscious transformation, you know, Phoenix, fire, 
reborn into something new, old systems falling away, but having the extra juice of Jupiter and like, <laughs> it all makes sense astrologically what's going on, but let us get through it. But, you know, I've also heard people say, cause a lot of people are saying like 2020 is just so awful or 2020 sucks. I had the, the joke this morning. I thought of, I'm sure I'm not the first to think of it, but I'm so eager for 2020 to be hindsight. Yeah, right, right. Um, Can't wait. Can't wait for it to be hindsight. But, but with climate change, like the fires and the heat and the like. They're not going. That's not that's, a, that's that's a, not a 2020 normal. thing. Right. right. Yeah. So, but uh, there does seem to be some sort of timing thing going on. Like it does seem to be stacking on top of other things and. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's a fascinating idea that this kind of like what is the right timing for things and how do things stitch together and I, what does it mean on an improv stage and what does it mean in terms of in terms of mindfulness practice and that sort of thing. Yeah. So yeah. let me ask you. Let me ask you improv wise. Right. So we, we're sort of jumping from a, like this huge level spectrum of like you know, society, global really... climate. But let, let's come down, let's let that go for a second and come down to the delight of doing improv and doing improv with another person. Or, like in, per, in person? Imagine. Can <laughs> we those please you, ever do that again? You can't see the plaintive look on Lisa's face. Oh, God. It's, <laughs> I just long for it so desperately. But even, even on Zoom where there's lag and we have to sort of pay attention to timing, how do you know what's the right time to say something or do something or make a choice, introduce an element. What, what, what system do you use if you have a system to know? I would not call it a system. Right. I, I, as soon as I said that, I was like, I bet Lisa doesn't call it a system, <laughs> but, uh, but I went with it anyway. <laughs> what would you call it? A feeling. A feeling. But it's not all feeling. I mean, it's like, like what goes into the feeling? Uh, I think that there is something around learning to recognize, mm, right? There's a theater term called beats. It's an actor term. Mm. It's like the, a beat in the script or a beat in the monologue is sort of a... A rhythmic segment. Yeah, like a phrase in music. It's like, yeah. and an emotional moment uh, happening. Uh, mm -hmm. a, a chunk and it's like a phrase in music i think that's the best way to describe yeah. it maybe it's like this is a continuous piece and and all of those pieces are part of a much bigger piece right. so but you can tell that this piece has reached is there's a there's a little tiny closure into this little piece and i think that when i think through studying script scripts and scripted acting you learn to recognize beats like oh, okay this thing has happened this this mm -hmm. person has tried for it and gotten it or not gotten it but that that moment that effort that endeavor is done and so i think when you start breaking things up into beats then you can be conscious about either interrupting the beat or or coming in at the close of the beat depending mm. on what the story needs mm-hmm but yeah, I think there. I think it's not exclusively wait till the end of a beat. I think sometimes it's really helpful to not let this thing get done. You know, like mm. not let this 
question get asked or this confession be made or this, you know, whatever it is. Kind of right. I, yeah, I love this bringing the notion of musicality in and having that rhythmic feel. And some people, <laughs> some people that have a sense of rhythm and some people don't like for some people it's really easy to dance and some people it's not and my nephew andrew plays the drums he loves playing the drums and we were my my dad his grandfather just sent people videos of when andrew was a little baby and little kid and apparently in a lot of these videos andrew's like tapping on stuff wow right so he's just like always paying attention to rhythm yeah and so i love thinking about how a music having a musical sense would give you a feel on stage of like doom 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 okay now here's this next doom 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 let me come in on that yeah this is a time to say something or this is right. when the scene needs to end this is when the scene needs to end okay this moment is done between these two people they've had the time they need to explore their dynamic they what you know and it's yeah. like, you don't know exactly what it is. You can't study the script. You don't know if there's something else coming. So it's never perfect. But I, I, but I think that that's the, the feeling is like looking for the beats. When's the end yeah. of the beat? I can feel it like in Bechtel test when we do those opening monologues. So this is the Bechtel test is just a... An improv format that I was part of creating at BATS that is, expl explores the complicated lives of women. Great. I would argue that everybody has complicated lives, but women are most often depicted as unidimensional in stories. And right. so it really looks to, 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 to see their complexities, their complexities, the multifaceted nature of their lives. Yeah. And it starts and ends with monologues. And in the, in the beginning of, in the, in the first monologues, there is a moment where another cast member interrupts the monologue. Mm-hmm to paint that character, to say, great, what's her name? What is she, has a, she has a tattoo on her uh, that you can see poking out of her shirt, what is it? There's a, something around her neck, there's something in her apartment, you know, things like, like adding details to her life. And that timing of when to jump in mm -hmm. to that monologue to start the painting, I have such a strong pull for it. Mm. like and it's there it's there yes. you, you feel yes. it it's there you know and it feels like it's the end of the first beat it's when we get the first chunk it's when we get the first flavor of her yeah we have enough information to have a, a tenuous footing in who this person is not enough to have solid footing in who she is yes but enough to have tenuous footing in who she is you need enough information to have footing but you can't wait until you have all the yeah. information it's too late i've been to shows to Bechdel test shows where somebody came in too early yeah and as an audience member i felt like oh no no hold on like i got nothing to build on i, got, yeah. I have no and, idea who she is and i've been to ones where they came in too late right and you're, where like, you're like okay come on come on we gotta happen like when's it yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's like a really interesting it's yeah. interesting and then the other interesting thing about improv is like right and when you're an improviser every improv show you watch well i find i become an amateur lightician in my seat and i'm like exactly what i was gonna say yes just like look because it's so clear to see from the outside when the light yep. should come down yep and so and i'm sitting the there in my seat like like miming waving the lights down <laughs> just to myself because it's so clear right. that it's time for it to be done that, that's and, where i've experienced this most is when i've been in the lighting booth i'm like yeah literally again with the breath feeling like oh, I'm drawn to take an in-breath now and the exhale is like, boom, lights come down. Yeah. 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 And, and that's also why 
Right. I mean, it's so interesting. It's like when people say, how do you decide when to go on? And I'm always like, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. I'm like, I don't decide. Mm-hmm. I go on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, because something, because deciding I think happens in your brain and there's something that happens in my gut. Mm-hmm that knows it's Mm -hmm. time to go or knows it's not time to go. It's like, it is a rhythmic thing. It's like my body feels it. Mm -hmm. And then I get pulled on from my middle. That's what it feels like. Yeah. I like that your gut is close to your hips and your legs. So it's like, like, you could just give direction like, Oh, let's move baby. Yeah. So there's this. So, so is, so, which is why if you are doing improv, you got to be, nothing can, it, you can't have anything between you and the stage, including mm. like crossed arms or mm-hmm. your gravity moving in the wrong direction, move your weight moving and moving back instead of forward mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that moment will happen where your gut wants to pull you on, but there's like barriers. You got to climb through stuff mm-hmm. and get there. And then you've missed the moment, mm-hmm. you know? So like with lighting, you got to just watch that scene with your hand on the slider. You have to yep. watch it with your hand on the slider so that when it's yep. like, it, there, it's like you, it's not a decision. It's not like, hmm, should I end it here? Because as soon as you've asked that question, it's done. The moment is gone. Right. The moment for it right. to be over is past. And now you got to wait for another beat. Like you got to wait. Although I will say in that lighting world that sometimes if you, at least I can feel it coming. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, we're getting close. We're getting close. I'm just waiting for the, and here it is. No, totally. Totally. But there's, that, you're like, you still got to ride the. Yeah. You still got to be ready. Know? And there's times when you don't feel it coming because it's like a sharp blackout. Right. But it's clearly time. So it's like, you have to just be ready to grab the moment. Mm-hmm. To grab the moment. Like, you know, you can't have. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I, I wonder how this translates off the stage into real life. Like, what does it mean to be, to always have your hand on the slider? Does it, right. does it, you always have to be in this heightened state of alert and readiness, or is it just you're nimble enough to stimulus happens, you can respond in a way that's resourceful and adaptive, right? Or, or just active, you can respond. Yeah. yeah. Like, what's keeping like, you from responding? It's part of why I feel, well, I have cultivated my life to be flexible, but I also feel thankful that I have such flexibility in my life. Like, okay, if I need to make a quick pivot, there are, I don't have a whole trail of things behind me that I have to keep in place, especially since I've been teaching online and not teaching in a location. Like, I mean, if I needed to really, I suppose I could go somewhere else next week. Yeah, I could be teaching from Hawaii or, yeah. Costa Rica and still do my classes. So like to be, to have the rest of the stage, if you will, set up for that flexibility to be able to respond at the right time. Whereas if I had all, you know, three kids and schools, schoolwork and a job in a place that everybody was relying on me, like that's hard to, hard to honor the timing as easily in that scenario. Or maybe it's just a different set, a different kind of timing. You respond, you're responding to different stuff. Right. Right. right? I mean, it's like that. Because I think in whatever situation you're in, it's not like, oh, I mean, yeah, folks with kids can be less spontaneous. Like there just is more 
you just have more considerations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to use the word more drag, as in like trying to walk through water if you're wearing a dress or a gown or right, right, right. a robe. Yeah. But then I was like, that's probably not the right word. Like a little <laughs> negative. Yeah, right. There's just like, <laughs> there's, the more you no gotta take, there's more you got to take care of. You're not just responsible right. for yourself. So you have all these things to think about. So you can't just get up and go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I, but I think no matter what situation you're in, you still can take a look at what is putting you in a place of ready to respond to life and what is, what is standing between you and being able to respond to life, whatever the, whatever the stimulus is. Yeah. I love that right. image of having your arms crossed. Like, am I blocking life out or resisting life? Just sort of yeah. standing, standing back and judging it. Like, yeah. Or assuming not it's not, move. assuming, assuming it's not going to need you. Right. Yeah. Like that, like mm-hmm. that's the thing in improv is like, I'm not in this scene. It's like, how do you know you're not in this scene? You don't know you're not, the, you're not in this scene. Mm-hmm. You might have to go. So mm-hmm. what are the things that, what are the, thi- what are the things, right? And maybe it's like, oh, the stimulus is like an invitation to play from your kid and you're on your phone and you miss it. And it's like, okay, so what are the things that keep me from fully engaging in what's in front of me, right? And if kids are in front mm-hmm. of you, that's fine. The kids aren't in the way. The kids are the thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just depends on what you're responding to. He I don't know. Me. I sound, I'm talking like I have thought a lot about this and I haven't. I'm formulating it right now. <laughs> oh, hey, speak with authority. Just claim it. Yeah. I, I, there's this new advertisement. So I've been watching basketball as, as the NBA has returned. Mm. There's this new advertisement that's been on for a learning company called Udemy. U-D-E-M-Y. I hate this advertisement because it's a dad. There's a guy playing a game on his, or no, not playing a game. He's learning something on his phone. But then you see him look up from his phone and his baby is sitting on the couch by the baby's self. And the dad's doing this thing on the phone. And then like the dad chuckles and is like, ah, ha, ha, ha. Okay, I have to come over to the, to the couch and sit with you. And then he like spends one or two seconds playing with a baby, showing the baby what's on the phone, and then he goes back to what he's learning on the phone. And 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 this is being pitched as so, like, look, you, you can, can learn still it. learn even while you're parenting, like while you're taking care of your tiny little baby who's on the couch. Yeah. Like, no, don't yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah. First off, pay attention to the kids. Second off, that baby's sitting on the couch with no restraint and you're in the kitchen on your phone. Yeah. This is supposed to be a good thing. Oh man got me all fired up yeah that is not the time to be you know this isn't your learning time this is your parenting time jeez come on make your choice so yeah we get into nice mindfulness like do one thing at a time (laughs) timing yeah um there's there's a couple things that come to mind in response to what you're saying one is that moment of going on stage I was reminded of in Patsy Rodenberg's second circle work, which we talked about in the episode on presence. And we've mentioned it other times, but she does a lot of exercises about what is it, what does it mean to have a second circle movement? So second circle is this attitude of ready awareness, uh, ready engagement. And when we do this, we sort of take an in breath and then move like step forward or speak on the exhale. So in breath, 
and then speaking going forward. And that when we speak on our exhale, when we move on our exhale, we have much more power and grace and um, charisma. Mm-hmm. The, that is the right time to speak. And it's like, it's almost, it's almost impossible to start speaking on an in-breath. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, it, like speaking is exhalation. And oftentimes people don't start speaking at the beginning of their exhalation. Uh-huh. And then you're like, what? This is just kind of, it feels totally off. But especially with movement, it's really fascinating to watch when people move at the wrong time in, in this sense, they just look awkward and untrustworthy and clumsy. Yeah. And when they move on their breath, whether it's extending a hand out or throwing a baseball or dance, taking a dance step, it's just like, oh, there's the grace. It's really cool. Hmm. Like, what is the way to know what is the right time to go on stage? I think of like, if I sense the time is coming, I want to literally take a breath and then move onto the stage on that exhale. Hmm. And so I wonder, like, I want to get the chance to play with that once we get back together in a real actual theater. Yeah. Because, you know, on Zoom, it still can happen on Zoom. Like, I'm going to take a breath and now I'm going to talk. Uh, it still has some some relevance there too. Yeah. What are you thinking of? You look like I'm, you I'm got doing, something. I, yeah, something's brewing, which is I think it's my classic. It's my classic re- reaction, which is. If you're paying attention to that, you're not allowing the other thing to naturally come through. There's a there's a there's a trade off. Yeah. It seems it's like, yeah, sure. If you're in a situation where it's like, all right, I know when I'm going to go in and I'm going to make sure that I go in on an exhale. Cool. How often Mm -hmm. is that true? Like and the timing shows Mm -hmm. up and it's like, wait, that was not a full, that was not a full inhale. I'm going to hold on. And meanwhile, (laughs) the thing has moved on and we're no longer in the moment where it made sense to start talking. So there's this like, I, I, I guess part of me is also like, like maybe this is an intuitive thing. Right. I, yeah, I think I'm going to go with both and on this one. Because I think it's one of these, I think it's one of these things where if you practice it consciously, you know, you work on, I'm going to move in on my exhale. I'm going to hit my tennis shot on my exhale. I'm going to, whatever it is, I'm going to make my request on an exhale or at the top of the exhale. If you do it consciously enough, then it just becomes second nature. I I need to understand this. Okay. When I need to say something, Mm -hmm. it's on an exhale. Mm -hmm. Necessarily. Unless I work very hard to speak while inhaling, which is very, just very hard. So I'm necessarily exhaling. So right. I'm trying to figure out like Are you are you speaking at the top of your exhale, at the beginning well, of your exhale? I'm trying to think about like what like not doing that means exhale a little bit and then begin speaking. <laughs> like is that what you're saying? Yeah, yes. So okay, yeah, people, hold on. People do that. They'll jump. Yeah, but just try. Okay, so now I'm starting to talk in the middle of my exhale. Right. And so go back and do it at the beginning. 
Okay, so now I'm starting to talk <laughs> at the beginning of my exhale. Like, your I don't face, understand. Your face. I wish I could show It just feels like it's this, like, I mean, I, I really believe that there's a difference when you watch somebody intentionally begin something in the middle of a breath because it doesn't feel like an intuitive time to begin something. Like, I get that. Right. But I'm just wondering, like, how often does this really happen? Like, how much attention do I need to pay to where my, like, where my yeah. breath started? It's funny because I'm thinking of like when we do the warm-up exercises in Patsy Rodenberg's work, part of it is maintaining a steady engagement. So like you might swing your arm back on the inhale and then start to swing your arm forward on the exhale and you might make a just a ooh sound right as it's coming in, as yeah. it's coming forward. And so can you have that ooh be steady from the beginning to the end, finish rather than trying to push it past where it should be and then take another inhale and hit this smooth rhythm engaged, neither too tense nor too yeah. flaccid, right? Yeah. So like, is the speech that you're coming in with on your breath fully engaged? Or is it kind of like, oh, I'm just, and now I'm gonna, I'm gonna add energy as I go. Yeah, I, it just feels like, like, that feels like speech training. I mean, that, that like, yeah, I just I don't know. I, just, uh, I don't know. It just try, feels like a out. level of dissection that is crazy to me. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Practice it consciously enough, I think it becomes unconscious, and then you're like, oh, that person. I, I think it's already unconscious. That's what I think. I think it's already unconscious. For well, you're a good speaker, though. I think you have it more naturally than other people. Don't know that they don't do what you do, right? So you—that's part of why when you speak up in a room, people are like. Ooh, listen to her because you're doing it and who knows how you got it who knows how you got that okay All inner right. knowledge but i don't think everybody has that uh -huh. i don't think they do in fact i think most people don't they, do, they don't know when to step in and how to step in and their breath is all funky sideways mixed up yeah yeah and that's one of the cool things that happens in the when i teach this right to speak class which we've got another section of coming up in October. <laughs> but like we learn, you just get that feeling like, oh yeah, now I'm going to come in and I'm going to say it and here's and, my voice. And it's like an aligned, it's an yep. aligned thing. Yeah. And I think you do it naturally. Or, Maybe you know. that's why it would drive me crazy to think about it. Exactly. Exactly. Have we, have you? It feels very, I, it feels very yogic. I mean, it feels very mm -hmm. like yoga is all about when you do yep. things on the breath and like allowing things to be effortless yes. on an out breath. Yes. Mm -hmm. And allowing an out breath to fuel you like that. I, I get it. I get the value of lining up your motions to your breathing, but in an improv world, I'm mm -hmm. like, listen, the moment doesn't give a shit what part of your breath you're in. If it needs you go. That like, right. that's my thing. It's like the moment yeah. it's more, mo it's more momentary than that. So this idea that you can sense it and then make sure you've inhaled, feels like, mm, isn't it? Wait, yeah. we don't have that. It's, <laughs> it's fascinating. Now. Fascinating. Are you, I think we may have talked about it before, um, but I'm fascinated about this stuff with Quaker meeting too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So like, it's lovely. Worship in silence anybody's able to speak at any time there's no priest or and this is an unprogrammed quaker worship there's some programmed meetings where it looks much more traditional christian ceremony but 
Quaker meeting, most Quaker meetings, just silent meeting for worship. Everybody's quiet, sitting there, sitting there, sitting there, maybe 10 minutes silence. Don't know. There's no direction of like, nobody's leading a meditation. And then if you feel moved to speak, you stand up and you say something, whatever you feel moved to say, and then you sit down. And there are times when it's like, mm, I think that person's just speaking because they want to hear their voice. Uh, this does not feel inspired. So in other words, doesn't feel like the right timing. But who am I to say? I don't know, maybe somebody else needs to hear what this person is saying. Hmm. But, but the notion is like, how do you know when's the right time to speak? And one of the directions is if your body is shaking, if you're quaking, then you, it's God or spirit leading you to speak. With Wait, a is message. that the deal with Quakers? Is that why they're yes. called that? Yes. That's my understanding. That's funny. I wouldn't bet my life on that, but that's my understanding. Don't bet your life on it. Not no, worth it. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so when I, whenever I was in Quaker meeting, you know, I'm somebody who likes to talk. Sure, I'll stand up in front of a meeting and say something. I'll have some spiritual wisdom to share. And like, usually it's like, that's just your ego talking. But every now and then my heart would start beating really pounding and my hand, might, I could feel my hand tremble a little bit like, hmm, I think this one's not just for me. I think this is, I need to say this. Hmm. So that's, so say that's so interesting because it feels like there is a sort of contrast between what we were talking about with regards to knowing it's the right time, which is based on something outside of you. Mm -hmm. Not something. Or the, or the rhythm, right? It's like, I may really want to get on stage, but it's not this, that show doesn't need me. That scene doesn't need me right now. It's not the right time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like the external is giving me a note on timing and this is like, no, there's nothing external that's going to tell you what the right timing is. Mm -hmm. It's not like humor. That's a different thing than humor timing. Right. Timing like that's almost not timing. Mm. I'm not even sure I'd call that timing. Why not? Because it's like deciding when to speak. Yeah, but I don't think it's timing that's telling you when to do something. Right? They say like, what's the secret to comedy? Timing. But it's like the secret to Quaker meetings isn't timing. It's inspiration. I thought it was, what's the secret to comedy? Tai Ming. Oh, that's right. <laughs> You're like, what's the secret to comedy? Timing. I'm like, that's not funny, Lisa. Is that... <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I wasn't telling it as a joke. I was saying timing is ah, a secret ah, to comedy. Oh, okay, okay. All right. But I but I actually don't think timing is telling people when to speak. I don't think it's I don't think they're responding to timing. I think mm. they're responding to something internal some uh, to knowing. Mm. To knowing okay. and inspiration. I mean, I don't know that it I was gonna say I don't know that it matters, but I actually think this is actually what we're here to talk about. Right. It's like <laughs> if it doesn't matter, what the heck are we doing? And actually, I, and actually, when I think about improv, I think timing is more important than like, but I'm ready. It's like, well, it's not about you, actually. It's about what's happening on stage. Oh, interesting, yeah, right. But the, and, so, and in improv, you got to go before you're ready. You can't wait till you're, you feel like you're being, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. necessarily, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes. And, but in what you're, but in life, if I were thinking about, if I were thinking about wanting to apply these things to life, I think it's actually far more important to be in touch with knowing than it is to be in touch with timing. Hmm. Well, 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 hold on. When it comes to 
like life choices because mm-hmm. because there are certain big life choices for which there's no good time. You're not going to wait for the end of a beat and know that it, now it's time. Mm. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you just got to go because you're because you're quaking because mm-hmm. it's because it, now's your time. But it's not it's it doesn't fit into a story well. It's not story timing. You know. Right. Yeah. You mentioned humor timing, story timing, relationship timing. There's, it's fascinating. And like internal know, like knowing, and I don't mm-hmm. think it's actually timing. Hmm. Well, there have been in regards to relationships, yeah. making connections, stepping up and like particularly romantic relationships. Yeah. There have been times when I made choices to initiate something and later felt like, uh, I totally should have waited on that. Like I should have waited a couple of years for to make that move, or I should have waited three hours or whatever. It's really clear. Like I should have waited. And then there are other times. Why should you have waited? Um, because the what were you responding circum- to? The life circumstances around the connection made it impossible for it to work in that moment. We were trying to make it work and uh-huh. we sort of used up the chit so that, you know, two years later when it would have been better timing, we were more available to each other. Yeah. We had already kind of. You already spent it. You already explored it, yeah. it and it wasn't, it didn't That's work. Right. So you're not going to pick it back up again. Right. Yeah. There have been other times where I wish I had stepped up. I waited and I wish I had gone in and like made some effort or, a declaration or register an interest and then oh, the person gets sweeped away, swept away by somebody else and, you know, off they go. And that's, that opportunity has gone. So, you know, I, yeah, I, I want to find yeah. that second circle moment for like starting a relationship or, or ending a relationship or, you know, what's the right timing. I don't know. I, I don't know how to do that. I'm still working on that bad boy. Nobody, nobody freaking knows how to do that. Yeah, right? right, like a great friend of mine said, she, go, she goes, this is when I was thinking about becoming a mom. And I was like, well, I don't know, like there's just so much going on and I don't know, I'm, whatever. She goes, break, with breakups and babies, there's never a good time. Break there's never, good, you're always gonna have other plans. And I think I've said that with breakups and babies, there's never a good time. If you know, you, that's, an, that's a knowing call. It's not a timing call. Mm, mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, this is a bad time, but I know I've got to do this. There's no good timing for this. The right time is when you know it. It's a Quaker call. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, I'm hesitating because I would still call that timing, but I, I, I have the sense of what it's not like, it's not according to a clock timing call. It's according or, or, to an, an internal lead. Yeah, but, I, but even the internal lead is like, I just don't think it's about time. Mm-hmm. everything happens at a time. So everything mm-hmm. is about time, but like, mm-hmm. I don't think that is about when it's, mm-hmm. it's about what you feel. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. about when it's happening. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, but your but your thing of like, Oh no, like life circumstances don't align right now for this to be possible. That's a timing call. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is an ex- external circumstances telling me when it's time to act. It's right. a timing call. But when to leave a relationship, that's a knowing call, I think. That's not like it, a, you know, unless you're like, I can't leave this relationship now because we're both too 
unstable financially and I wouldn't be able to move out yet. Mm -hmm. And that's just mm -hmm. a bad move. So I'm going to wait. I'm going to sit on this. That's a timing call. Interesting. You're, what you're describing is bringing to mind a, a distinction that um, this woman that I've been seeing, Wendy, uh, suggested, which is that proper timing, that we often think of proper timing as a point in time, like when to make a decision. Yeah. That's sort of what gets the most attention, but that you could also ask the question, what is the stretch of time? for how, not just when do you do it, but for how long do you do it, mm. right? So what's the proper time to start or end a relationship, but like also how long? Is the relationship? It, does a relationship go or does it, right? And so another friend of mine said, um, yeah. with relationships, right, they can be, um, it can be for a reason, it can be for a season, it can be for a lifetime. So like maybe you get brought together just for some moment, or maybe it's like a stretch of time, or maybe it's this forever time. How long, what's the, what's the length of it? That's a, a fascinating thing to think of timing as being this, a stretch instead of a moment. Yeah. You know? I, I'm also but, thinking, Oh, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Sure. I'm gonna push on that a little bit. Okay, excellent. Because that, only makes sense when you're out of it. That is only a piece. You can't know going into, well, no, that, okay, that's not true. I think you can know, I don't think this is forever. Mm -hmm. But you can't really know, like the, the moments of action that are required to make that reason, season, or lifetime true are, are points in time. Okay. Like, like time is defined by the space between two points, mm -hmm. the, the, the space between the time you got into it and the moment that you decided to get out of it. You, like you don't go into it being like six months. That's my stretch on this. <laughs> I don't think, unless you're like in six months, I'll reevaluate. Like that's a thing. But like, I don't, I think that that's like a meaning making thing in retrospect, but I don't think it's a helpful thing moving through something. Well, okay, so here's an example. And I, it's active for me now because when yeah. I moved out to California, uh, Thanksgiving time, 2014, I had the sense, mm, I think I'm going to be there, I would guess at least five to six years. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we're coming up on the six year yeah. mark. I don't feel like I'm going anywhere. Yeah. Um, but I definitely had this notion of like, it's going to be at least that. I don't think this is like a little landing spot and I'm going to flit away after being here for a year. Right. It, it, there felt there was some momentum of, of commitment to that time frame at least. Now, part of me feels like maybe I'm ready to move on to something new, but part of me feels like, no, no, I, I totally want to stay here. And is that just because I'm getting older and I, I don't want to move? I'm more, you know, um, I don't want to say rooted because that doesn't feel that way. It's just like uh, inertia and more driven by inertia. Like, well, I'm here. I'll just stay here. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure why I'm saying this, but I had a, the sense of going in, there's at least this stretch of time is going to happen with this commitment. And I mean, then we'll see what But happens. you might've been wrong. Sure. Which sure. would be fine. Right. And then that would require a paying attention to when it is time to make I wouldn't have been able to leave. I would have had to honor that commitment. No, I'm just kidding. 
But, but this actually, I think, is a really important tension to name because I think a lot of times people do things because of timing instead of knowing. Mm. Mm. Well, we've been together a year, so it's probably about time we get engaged. Well, do, oh, you, I see what want, you're saying. do you want that? Is that like the timing is right by some right. bizarre and useless criteria, <laughs> you know, of like right. what relationships, what, like what relationships should do or like well you've been in that job for two years it's time that you became a manager and so i don't want to be a manager oh yeah so you're th- i'm i'm excusing or, what you're describing as like imposed timing versus proper or like taoist timing like this is the right this is in the flow to go now yeah right as opposed I, to yeah we're doing it because it's on a calendar right so so that people have some idea that the time is right, mm-hmm. but yeah. it's not their idea. It's not their time, right? It's yeah. the world's idea mm-hmm. of when the time mm-hmm. is right. Mm-hmm. I think that's also like that can happen in improv stories where you pay attention to how stories usually go, but you're not paying attention to this one. Oh, and it's yeah. like, oh, but in this one, there was this other offer and we're, we haven't played that out yet. We got to see right. what that is. So you, rather than following some external structure of like, oh, this is when the protagonist meets up with the ally in the forest. And- this is when it happens. It's like, well, mm-hmm. but it's not happening that way in this. So just let right. this be. Yeah. And like, like I am in a relationship that I th- thought was going to be far more of a shorter season than it has turned out to be. Mm-hmm. And like, what good does it do to tell myself, this is not going to last very long. Mm-hmm. When it's like, here we are a year later, you know? Like, well, I guess it's lasting, right? And I'm like, huh. I'm like, am I ready to say it's a lifetime? No. Like, right, I would say right. most relationships are a season. Right. You know? Yeah. But how long that season is and what, you know, it's like, I don't know. Yeah. But I know it's not time to get out of it. I know it's right. not, I don't want, I don't want to. I want to be in it. Yeah. yeah. So, and now I'm like talking around in circles. I don't have a point, except that I think that there is a difference between knowing and timing and, and then sometimes they can get, they can be married. And I think mm-hmm. that's what happens in improv on an improv stage. When you start to internalize a sense of what the moment needs and you're yep. able to fill it. Right. You, and you feel it. So it feels like it's time to go because of, You've honed your ability to pay attention to what's happening and also where you are. Yeah, I love it. And so, you have had a proper inhalation so that you're <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so that you're ready to move. Yeah. No, this sounds like the I mean it's not necessarily a mindfulness thing. It could be, but it uh, it's also in sports or music uh, dance of uh, being in flow. Yeah. And like time disappears as like some metronome, but timing doesn't disappear because you're just in, in the groove with it. It's like it was surfing a wave. Here comes the wave up behind you. You get up on top of it and, and now we go down the wave and, and then eventually the wave is going to peter out. So then you jump off the board and you go back out. Like just having that being one with that rhythm. Yeah. So come, coming back to the notion of timing being about beats and rhythm and yeah, you know, and um, noticing the, noticing the, yeah, noticing the beats. Hmm. I, you know, having just said that, I'm, something that's going on with me health-wise yeah. that is a little disconcerting, and I wonder how it plays into how I experienced the fires yesterday or the 
the weird sky is that my heart has been bouncing all over the place in terms of my pulse rate. So normally I would be between like 55 and 60, just kind of whatever, just chill. But lately I measure my pulse. It's like 59 next day or the, in the afternoon, 85, 72, mm. 96. It looks like I'm not doing anything particular. Get up out of bed. Oh, there it is. 84. Okay. Uh, after eating a meal, 61. Like I, it's how just, are you I'm, taking your pulse? Like how, what is your mechanism for doing that? Um, I have a pulse oximeter, which measures pulse and uh, blood oxygen level. Like on your finger? Yep. A little clip on your finger and you just, and the first time it started measuring up in like the 80, 90 range, I was like, oh, this can't be right. This is crazy. My pulse is never at this high. So I was like, I checked it by holding my finger to my artery. My your carotid. Neck my carotid artery. And uh, I was like, mm, no, I guess it is at 85. That's so I, I haven't gone to the doctor yet, like, but I'm curious, like what's going on with that? And I wonder if that is contributing to my feeling unsettled or if it's my feeling unsettled contributing to my heart bouncing around, but yeah. having that internal rhythm, that internal timing is happening all the time we're not really aware of it, but it's has such an effect on our mood. Yeah. Um, thinking about how does that play into all this stuff too? Mm. It's an interesting thing to start paying attention to. But then again, it's like anytime I have, I know somebody who tends to be anxious and anytime she goes to get her blood pressure checked, it's like off the charts because she's so anxious about getting her blood pressure checked. Right. Exactly. Yes. Right. It's like, yeah, so like, is my pulse going up because I'm checking my pulse? <laughs> yeah, but then sometimes it's low. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I like have to sneak up on myself and put the pulse up to my arm when I'm not. <laughs> oh, what's this on my finger? Oh, I'm at 55. Okay. Great. Yeah. Um, well, I had one other, th one other thought I had that came to mind as we were talking about patients. Is just timing within uh, in buddhism in the notion of right speech so right speech is one of the folds on the eightfold path to enlightenment eightfold path to ending suffering and building wisdom and right speech is telling the truth being kind and saying things when it's the right time to say it mm -hmm. and choosing not to say something if it's not the right time so you could have something to say that's honest and kind, but it's not the right time to say it, right? So I love that notion of there being like, there's an ethics in timing and when we choose to do things. Yeah, I like that right? too. What's the, what's the, what is the caring, for, what, what cares most for the whole range of beings in this moment? And it's, it's not, even though being honest and being kind are virtuous, motivations it might be that it's not the right time to say it mm -hmm. um i'm trying to think of <laughs> we're like at a wedding right like in the or at a wedding reception and you're like i want to say something nice about the groom but you're somebody who had a relationship with the groom earlier i was like well it's honest and it's kind but this no, is the, this is not the no. time. <laughs> yeah, right. 
it's it's actually it's not kind to some people but it might be kind to that one person but like yeah no 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 don't do that right so um i just i think that's a cool notion to, yeah, let, to introduce yeah. ethics and timing and pair them together uh, and, and also that that sometimes when we choose not to say something or do something that whatever was causing us distress if we're just patient with it it actually melts away or disappears or some other information comes in that dissolves the concern. It's like, oh, it's not an issue anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't have to say anything about it now because it's taken care of. Because I just waited. This, yes. Yeah. Totally. This, this, so, so this is a great example of that. Oh, that's cool. So that reminds me of something my therapist told me once when I was trying to make a decision or figure out what what came next, and I didn't know. I, I didn't know. I didn't know. And he goes, "Well, the fact that you don't know what comes next probably means that it's not time to do anything right now." Mm. Like it's not time. If it, the fact that you don't know what step to take means it's not time. It's not time to take a step. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that mm -hmm. because there's a trust that time will help. Right. Like there's a trust that you will know. You just don't know now. And. So Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, oh, wait, there was another thing. Oh, and, and until you know, you will always be afraid that you will never know. Hmm. Right? Like, like there's a... But then once you, you know, once you do know, you're going to, oh, now this is what it feels like. Once you know, you know, you know? And so, like, I remember we on the board at BATS were talking about when is it time to close the theater and stop shows at the very beginning of this. And like, different places were responding in different ways with different timing. We were looking at what when other you theaters- suggest You mean the, pandem the pandemic? The pandemic. <clears throat> and, and, and yeah, when, when does it tip over into, no, the responsible thing is to close. And we were having calls every day. This was also my first day of, my first week of the job. As being artistic director, right? Of artistic director was like, when do we, sh mm -hmm. when do we shut down? Mm -hmm. And, and I remember Christina, who's our, the president of our board saying, you know, we won't know until we know. Right. We, we won't know, we won't know, and then we'll know. And, and when we know, yeah. we'll know. Like, yeah. like, you know, she just has this trust that like, yeah, I think we don't know now. What's funny, I'm chuckling because you'll, I'm sure you remember, I felt we should have shut down before we did. Right. A couple of days, like I was on the yeah, front edge. And as the, as <laughs> so it was like, Christina was saying that, you know, we'll know when we know. I'm like, I know. Well, like, I know, I know it. <laughs> but that coming back full circle to the Aquarius thing is like, eh, I mean, to the astrology thing, Aquarius tends to know before other people with certain things like, and it like wants to tell everybody, we got to do this. We got to do this. The end is near. Cassandra. And it was like, oh, shut up, Aquarius. Yeah. And then, you know, three years later, like, oh. Aquarius. Or so okay. But Aquarius. so, so I like what you just said and it makes sense. It like resonates in my heart. And like, if you don't, if you, you've got the confusion, maybe it's not the time to act, but I want to bring it back around to what you said way back at the beginning of the conversation. Bring it back around, Ted. Circle it back around. Exhale. <laughs> About going on stage and like you can't be ready 
till it's time. You, you just no, you just got to go. Sometimes you just got to go. You don't, you can't wait until you've got all your stars lined up. Yeah. And then you're like, so talk to me about that paradox or that tension. Like, is it because it's one's on stage and one is life or? I'm not sure there's they, a paradox. Are they both true? I don't know that there's a paradox. Well, in one you said, in this latter one, you said, if, you, if it's not clear what to do, it's not the time to take action. Did I get, am I saying that right? Yeah. If you don't have clarity, then maybe it's not the right time. But I guess that's different than I feel re that I'm ready. Okay. But so, but going back to like an improv scene where like, should I go on stage? I don't have a clear hit. I'm going to wait. But you know it's time. A... You know it's time though. Like th that's the thing is, is like a lot of times in improv I'll teach, and this comes from Rebecca Stockley, timeliness versus preparedness. Mm. We say, and, and in exercises like I am a tree, which is a, 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 a game we play in a big circle where people take unstructured turns in the middle. And you can sense when it's time for someone to go. The mm. rhythm has slowed down. We've left somebody hanging out there. It's time for somebody to go. It's the beat. And nobody has an idea. They're not ready. They got to mm. go before they're ready. Okay, okay. Because it's time. That's what I meant. You, sometimes you got to go before you're ready. Okay. Because, the, because that time tells you that it's time. Yeah. The moment it has called you. Yeah has called your body before it has prepared your brain. Right. Yeah, so oh. I, th I think there is some paradox there because it could be that your brain doesn't know the right choice, but you've got to do something. You just got to take a step forward. Like, like when? Well, yeah, your brain doesn't know, but you know you got to go. Mm -hmm. But in life, and I don't think that's good improv, like in life. Well, like, it's talk, like talk make, to me about make, that. making a call about, do we cancel classes because of the coronavirus? But we knew. There was a moment where we knew. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm thinking of like now, this season of starting school back up. And school's deciding, do we go oh, in person school. or do we not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? There's so many, so many variables. You can be like, there's so much uncertainty. We want to get more information, more information. Well, no, it's time. We've got to make a choice now because it's, we have to do something. Yeah, well, that's a moment where it's mm -hmm. right. I mean, right. yeah, so that you don't have the luxury of being like, well, I'll just wait till I know. Right. Like, you, gotta do, yeah. you just got to do something and be prepared yeah. to be wrong. Right. And that's where the other improv skill comes in handy. Ah. Uh, so, but I don't think it's a paradox. I don't think it's a paradox. I just think sometimes the world is demanding something different. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> like, enough. I think, you know, like, I think when, when you're dealing with sort of an internal struggle, like, when you have to act, you got to act. There's, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's just that. But. Boom. Make it happen. You just ha you have to, and you and you just do the best you can with the information you have. Yeah, I like that. I like doing the best you can. Right? If if you if you can't wait for what feels like the right timing, you have to you have to do it. You do the best you can, and, and like take stock and do the best you can. You like, just do the best you can. Just make this sure you take your thing. breath first. But make but make sure you do it at the top of your exhale, everybody. It's gonna feel all wrong if you do it in the middle of your exhale. I have a great sense that this is going to come back to haunt me. So <laughs> this is going to be trouble down the road. <laughs> you were just about to say one more thing. Mm. This is a little bow for the session here for the episode. Probably not. Mm. Okay. Well, let's just peter out without any sense of rhythm. <laughs> well, like boop, so, boop, boop, yeah, boop. Uh, that's it. Okay. <laughs> Ha <laughs>
Oh boy. In any case, I think this is a good place to stop. Do you? I think so too. I have had, I've had, yeah, it's quite a, an engaging conversation. Mm. Mm, very nice. Yes. Jolly good. Right. Yes. Um, okay, cool. Well, so let's, let's, let's let him go. Great. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. There it was. Monster Baby Podcast timing. Hope you liked it. Peace out. <laughs> what? I, yeah, I love doing a little... I love having an episode about timing because now anything we do with timing where I could be messing around with a sentence and how fast it becomes part of a joke or becomes something that the, you listeners can like, did they mean to do that? Are they pausing? Probably for, not. They probably, probably did not. not. It's probably they probably accidental, did but, not mean to do it. But maybe it's directed by God and spirit and the universe is using us as an instrument oh, of divine boy. time. Okay. Again. All right. Okay. All okay. right. Ted, you got any classes coming up you want to tell the people about? <laughs> I do. Before I get to that, though, I do want to say it's really nice, speaking of timing, to finally do another episode. I know it's been a long time. It's been a while. And so it, it feels good to kind of get back in the, get back in the saddle again. And, yeah. Uh, chat a bit. Um, I do. I have a class. I'm going to teach a class called The Right to Speak, Finding and Freeing Your Natural Voice, which is based on the voice and acting work of Patsy Rodenberg. So we'll talk about this stuff, Second Circle stuff. And it's going to start October 6th, Tuesday there might, nights. There might be some breathing involved. There might There's be some. Definitely going to be some breathing. Some breath work, some timing. Definitely some breath work, some voice work, some. Uh, stretching, facial stretching. All right. Well, hey, come for the voice work. Stay for the facial stretching. So when does that start? October what? October 6th, Tuesday night, specific time, October 6 p.m. to 8.15. Nice. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that's coming right up. It's it's not that far away, but it's a, it's a great class. I've taught it uh, at Stanford. I taught it independently. People have loved it. And uh, we spend a lot of time doing voice technique warm-up stuff and at the end of this class your voice just sounds different and you're like wow my voice is kind of cool feels so good feels so great awesome awesome what do you got going on well my plug is that shows that bats are starting back up cool starting october 2nd and we're doing a cool thing where i don't know for those of you who are bats fans who have watched bats shows before we're doing this cool thing where We've empowered every company member to do to take a night and do whatever they want with it, meaning they can cast whoever is inspiring to them. That could be company members or community, like other other improvisers that they know and mm-hmm. love. So there's this sort of, uh, I'm really excited about it because I think we're going to see some new faces at Bats and some new energy in our shows. And I'm really, really jazzed about it. So you're going to see loads of stuff. I personally am going to be directing a puppet long form. I'm psyched to see this thing. On November 7th. So a puppet long form? I think so. I think it's going to be wow. a puppet long form. I think it's going to be okay. a long form story with half human characters and half puppet characters, like a cast of puppets and humans. You're going on the edge. This is wild. I'm really stoked. Cool. So keep an eye out. Improv.org, you can find out what's going on. All shows are free and donations are 
gratefully accepted. Love it. That sounds really exciting. I, I'm, I'm really excited to see how the variety of shows plays out over those two months. And Me too. See shows I'm, up. I'm jazzed. Cool. Uh, great. Well, if if you like this podcast, if you enjoy yourself, please share the news. We are almost to fifty thousand downloads. We'd love to get over that mark. Wow. Uh, if you want to let people know about you can find it on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, pandora spotify stitcher amazon podcast wherever you get your podcasts hey you, it should be there or there too uh, or you can go to monsterbabypodcast.com and find it there dot com um, leave a review and uh, send us a note we'd love to hear from you and uh let's let them go let let my people go let's let them go have a great one hey. everybody we'll talk to you next time stay safe breathe deep we love you. Ciao.